Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the sinking of the Rouse Simmons, a ship that sank in 1912 on Lake Michigan while carrying a cargo of Christmas trees. Before we dive in, I must inform you, the story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please note before I begin that I am not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I have done my research and will present the information as I understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, I will be including the basics of nautical terminology in the description for anyone who needs it. There isn't a vast amount of information on this sinking, but I will gladly share what I was able to uncover. To start, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates, and Happy Holidays during this season regardless of what you celebrate. Since this episode is dropping on Christmas Day, I hope that you all are having a great day celebrating with your families. For some, the Christmas season is incredibly hard, and I hope you know that this channel will always be a safe space for everyone. And if you don't have anyone to spend the holidays with, I will be here for you right here on Shipwreck Sunday. Alright guys, let's get into the Christmas tree ship and her story. Today, our story begins in 1868 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the United States. The Rouse Simmons, named after a businessman and American politician, Rouse Simmons, whose family was a manufacturing power in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and founder of the well-known Simmons Mattress Company, was built sometime in 1868 by Allen McClelland and Company. Her first owner was a wealthy lumber magnate named Charles H. Hackley from Muskegon, Michigan, and she joined his sizable fleet of ships. Hackley's fleet served most of the coastline of Lake Michigan. Rouse Simmons would become an integral part of this system, shipping lumber from multiple company mills from several ports around the lake for roughly 20 years. The Rouse Simmons was a three-masted schooner built to be 123.5 feet long, had a beam of 27.6 feet wide, and a height of 8.4 feet tall. She displaced 205 gross registered tons and 195 net registered tons, which is a ship's cargo volume capacity. She averaged a crew of five men, being propelled solely by her three sails. She was built entirely out of wood, as many sailing vessels of that time were. Her identification number at the time was US-110087, and the ship was launched on August 15, 1868. It's important to note that during the 19th century, lumber and Christmas trees were a popular commodity being shipped in and out of the Chicago area, since Chicago was one of the busiest shipping ports in the world at this time. Great Lakes ships would transport Christmas trees at the end of their season from northern Wisconsin or Michigan's Upper Peninsula to Chicago. As of 1890, two brothers, August and Herman Schuneman, who were both experienced Great Lakes captains, invested in partial ownerships of vessels capable of doing this, and one such vessel would later be the Rouse Simmons in 1910. Before this, though, and after Hackley's ownership, the ship exchanged hands several times, with many schooners like Rouse Simmons being traded around frequently as well. Funny enough, the nickname for schooners that were traded many times like this was, quote, tramp ships. You know, because back in the day, a person who, you know, got around frequently was often referred to as a tramp in a derogatory manner. The Schooneman brothers had been in the Christmas tree trade in Chicago since around the 1890s and 1900 mark. 
August would unfortunately die in November of 1898 aboard the S. Tal when it sank in the midst of a bad storm near Glencoe, Illinois, while transporting Christmas trees. Even after his brother's death, Herman would continue the family business moving forward. Many rivals in the Christmas tree industry had sold to wholesalers and local grocers, but not Herman. He sold directly to Chicago's residents at Dockside aboard his ships near the Clark Street Bridge. Because he was cutting out the middleman in this exchange, his trees could be sold for a much cheaper price than most of his competitors. His slogan? Christmas tree ship. My prices are the lowest. And he decorated the ship with electric Christmas lights and a tree standing tall atop the main mast like a giant ornament. It was a tradition his brother and him would do with their aging schooners, and many would say Christmas hadn't arrived until the Schooneman brothers had arrived. If you wanted to buy a tree from Herman Schooneman, you'd pay between 50 cents and $1 in 1912, so about $15.40 to $30.79 in 2022 with inflation. Much cheaper than the average cost of a Christmas tree in the United States today in 2022, the average of which is $85.59 for a live tree and $122.60 for an artificial tree. If you paid nowadays prices for a tree back then, with inflation in mind, it would be about $2.75 in 1912. Schooneman wasn't greedy, however, and was often referred to as, quote, Captain Santa, since he also gave away trees for free to families strapped for cash. Herman Schooneman first purchased an interest in the ship in 1910, expanding this share to an eighth in 1912. The other shares in the ship were owned by two men, three quarters of the shares being owned by Mans J. Bonner, a businessman from St. James, Michigan, and one-eighth of the shares being owned by Captain Charles Nelson, a native of Chicago who would sail alongside Schooneman on the final fatal voyage. These businessmen would purchase aging schooners, like the older Rouse Simmons, to save money and because transporting lumber and Christmas trees in the aging, sometimes leaky schooners wasn't a problem. This cargo could get wet and not be damaged. Not only this, but the buoyancy of the cargo could potentially help the aging schooners in typically nasty November storms. So, like he did every year, that year in 1912, Herman Schooneman would load up the Rouse Simmons full of evergreen pine trees in Thompson Harbor near Manistique, Michigan. On November 22, 1912, he loaded the ship with 5,500 trees, planning on making the week-long journey to Chicago though there was inclement weather on the horizon. Due to the difficult weather, many of his competitors had been entirely discouraged from making their own journeys to Chicago with trees, and a thick blanket of snow lay over the tree farms in Wisconsin and Michigan at the time. Herman hoped that because he'd be one of the few selling trees and the shortage of Christmas trees was significant, that he'd sell a lot of trees and make a huge profit, solving his financial situation. November storms already had a nasty reputation for being particularly violent on the Great Lakes by 1912, and it was well known the weather could be deadly. That's how Herman's brother August had died 14 years earlier, so he knew the risks going into it. This November 1912 had been surprisingly pretty quiet and mellow, with only one major storm having happened so far. The storm had mainly affected southeastern Michigan and northwestern Ohio, with reports claiming the storm had already taken many lives and ships, though these aren't necessarily accurate and confuses 1912 with the big blow of 1913. 
Even though there had only been one storm this November, a second one was brewing, and it didn't look good. Conditions were poor, with many, many ships anchoring in ports to take refuge and avoid being battered by 60-mile-per-hour winds anticipated in the brewing storm. Schooneman was good-natured and giving, and so he invited a number of lumberjacks aboard the Rouse Simmons to ride back to Chicago so they could spend the holidays with their families. Although this isn't proven, local legends state that some sailors found the vessel unseaworthy and refused to board her. Proof of her possibly being unseaworthy came two years earlier when the Rouse Simmons had been towed to port by the Grand Haven Tribune when it was found riding low in the water, taking on lake water. Despite this evidence, the journey with Christmas trees was to commence at noon on November 22, 1912. Keep in mind going forward, not everything can be confirmed because no witnesses survived to give testimony, but I am going off of what research I could find. Trees were crammed in every corner available aboard the ship, with the total weight of the cargo far exceeding recommendations, especially with a November storm on the horizon, and it would certainly contribute to any unfortunate circumstance. They set out, and there weren't any reported problems, though during the night, storms were hitting the Rouse Simmons like a freight train, and Captain Schooneman sent two sailors down to check the lashings on deck. Lashings in ship terms is the securing arrangements aboard a ship. It could be ropes, cables, lashing rods, turnbuckles, twist locks, you name it. Nowadays, it typically refers to the means of holding cargo containers down securely on a ship. The two sailors went on the slippery, wet deck, squinting as lake water sprayed in their faces to check these lashings. A giant wave swept over the deck, scooping up the two seamen as well as a lot of bundled trees and a small ship's boat. The schooner was now slightly lighter and more maneuverable, and Captain Schooneman turned the ship toward Bailey's Harbor, a town in Wisconsin. Very suddenly and sadly for the Rouse Simmons and all aboard, the storms dramatically worsened, with ice forming on the soaked trees and wind battering the hull of the ship as she went over heavy seas. The Rouse Simmons was spotted on November 23, 1912, by the Kiwani Life Saving Station, the ship being low in the water with tattered sails and flying her flag at half-mast to signal distress. According to logs from the station, a surfman saw the Rouse Simmons around 2.50 p.m. and alerted a fellow station keeper, Nelson Crate. Crate went to get the station's gas tugboat, but found it had left earlier that day, and around 3.10 p.m., Crate called the nearest station. Even though George E. Sogg of Two Rivers, Wisconsin, sent out the powerboat Tuscarora to rescue the crew of the Rouse Simmons, sadly the ship and her crew were never seen or heard from again. Unfortunately, this wasn't the only ship to go down in this legendary storm, either. The two brothers, the South Shore, and the three sisters also sank in similar circumstances. Allegedly, there was a message in a bottle from the Rouse Simmons that washed up on shore at Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and it had been corked with a small piece of pine tree cut from a Christmas tree. This was the only remains of the vessel recovered other than a few occasional trees and bits of wreckage that were caught in fishing nets. What did the message say, you might ask? It reads as follows. Quote, Friday. Everybody, goodbye. I guess we are all through. During the night, the small boat washed overboard. Leaking bad. Involved and Steve lost too. God help us. A month later in December of 1912, wreckage and Christmas trees from the Rouse Simmons were reported washing ashore at Pentwater, Michigan. 
Eerily, in 1924, a fisherman using a fishing net brought up Captain Schooneman's wallet, well-preserved due to being wrapped in oilskin. Oilskin is a waterproof cloth used for making garments especially worn by sailors and others that work with water or in wet areas. Inside the wallet, they found a newspaper clipping, an expense memorandum, and business cards. As for the wreck of the ship, it was found by a diver named Gordon Kent Bell Richard, a man from Milwaukee, in 1971. When he found Rouse Simmons, he was on the lake searching for Vernon, a steamer that had sunk in October of 1887 due to a storm, and he began his search in an area in which fishermen were complaining of their fishing nets getting caught frequently. He stopped searching to dive when his sonar revealed something that looked like a large ship. When he got down to the bottom and discovered a shipwreck at the bottom of the lake, roughly 172 feet down, his light began to flicker and fail. Despite this fact, he was still able to survey the ship with his hands, and from that he concluded that he'd found the Rouse Simmons instead of the Vernon. The Rouse Simmons lies six miles northeast of Raleigh Point in Manitowoc County at 44 degrees and 16.640 minutes north, 87 degrees and 24.863 minutes west. Interesting enough, she was facing northwest toward the shoreline, not facing south as had been last reported. Archaeologists scratched their heads and began looking for clues as to why the vessel would change her course. After some days of searching, the team found tools lying around on deck on the ship's bow, and these tools were for handling the anchors and chains. The windlass, which is a type of winch used especially on ships to hoist anchors or haul on mooring lines, was in the middle of being readied for lowering the portside anchor. A Norman pin, which is a horizontal pin traditionally attached to a Samson post, which is used to secure anchor or tow lines, was partially driven into the windlass and the anchor chain had been taken out from its locker and was thrown on deck. They also found the port anchor lying 170 feet north of the bow. With this evidence, it was clear to the archaeologists that they were trying to anchor, but given the amount of chain left on the deck, it would be impossible to anchor the ship in the middle of the lake, and they were possibly heading for shelter by the shoreline to anchor there. The eight-foot-tall stacks of trees on deck also possibly destabilized the ship further, and with large waves buffeting the ship, it spelled doom for the Rouse Simmons. Amazingly, some of these trees still lie in the cargo hold, preserved by the intensely cold temperatures at the bottom of the lake. Two of these trees were removed to be put on display and shown as exhibits. Many items from the Rouse Simmons were able to be recovered and are now displayed in Rogers Street Fishing Village Museum in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. The ship's anchor was recovered and sits at the entrance to the Milwaukee Yacht Club, and the remains of the wreck of Rouse Simmons are listed on the National Register of Historic Places as of March 21, 2007. This Christmas season, please take a moment to remember the 17 souls lost on the Rouse Simmons, and remember the spirit the two Schooneman brothers had during the season. The way that Herman and August spread joy in their community is admirable, and not something you see too often these days. Rest in peace to all of the victims, and I hope to commemorate all of their memories with this episode. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a five-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. Check out our community tab for updates and to interact with us. And don't forget to check out our second channel, Speed Force Media. 
Tune in next Sunday for the story of the SS Eastland, the speed queen of the Great Lakes that was scrapped in 1947. Have a great week and a safe holiday weekend. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.